Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! Another Saturday coming up in the books. And another episode waiting to be spread and told. I need to work on my intros. I I really do. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. It's me. It's your boy, Mike Garcia from Voice of Garcia. And here we are to talk about all things in the world of comic book movies, game shows. But I normally save that for the ending. It's one of those moments that a few days ago where something just hit us out of the blue. A deleted scene, and I'm sure you've already know about this, which is why I'm here to talk about it. A deleted scene from the Batman, which features five minutes, five, five minutes and six seconds of the Joker, the Joker himself. Now, if you recall last week when I had my awesome, awesome episode with the lovely, the great, the beautiful, the cunning and the amazing and the brilliant Gina, uh, if she listens to this, she's going to be like, oh, stop. (laughs) We spoke about on the fact that she absolutely loved the Joker in that scene. I personally didn't think that it was very necessary because I was thinking when I when I was explaining my thoughts at the time, I was trying to say that I didn't feel like it was necessary for us to have another Joker literally right out of the gate, especially with Joaquin Phoenix possibly returning as that character literally for a sequel, I'd say within the next year or two. But then I thought about it and I kept thinking to myself, okay, we got this scene. And after watching it, I was like blown away. I was really, I was, I was curious. I was intrigued and I was unsettled. It takes a lot more than that to get me like, you know, have an uncomfortable feeling. But the reason why I made that statement was the simple reason that I didn't think it was necessary for us to get attached to another Joker right away. After we saw the magnificent performance of Joaquin Phoenix and then, of course, Heath Ledger before him and, you know, Jack Nicholson and Cameron. I know it's not Cameron Monaghan, it's Cameron Monaghan. If that is his last name, if it's not, I do apologize. But he basically played uh, Jeremiah and Jerome in the Gotham series. Now, I get a lot of people don't really view him as the Joker. One, they never stated he was the Joker because legally speaking, the show wasn't allowed to say that he was the Joker. And two, the show was not as mainstream for other people to actually watch and actually know about that character. But a lot of hardcores and a lot of Joker fans, we know who we view as the Joker. Not to mention the number one out of all of them, Mark Hamill himself. So this was a very interesting take on the new Joker. And I want to explain my thoughts about it literally coming up just in a few moments. And of course, I want to focus on something that will be appearing next Friday, which is funny because I completely forgot about Morbius. I did. I completely forgot Morbius because I know I think Gina did say that she was looking forward to the movie. And I completely forgot about it up till now where I thought about it. I'm like, holy shit, Morbius, I believe, is actually next Friday. They're not going to delay it anymore. And yet, 
Sony is making a weird, weird decision in terms of what exactly they are doing. I rarely have my thoughts about this, but we're going to talk about that and more. All of that coming your way, and we're coming up, or we're coming right back, right in a bit. Still got to work on it. As I said, watching that scene was probably one of the most unsettling feelings that I've had in quite a while. And I remembered how I felt when I watched Joker, what, last year? When when did Joker come out? Late 2019? Somewhere in 2020? It's been a while. It really has been. But I couldn't tell if it was the makeup aesthetics. Or it's the fact of how he was speaking to Batman at that time. Because we have to think about this from another perspective. The whole movie being a film noir. The whole movie being a great homage to detective type stories. It was one of those moments where they were definitely paying a lot of references to many other things that we've seen in the past. Whether it was Seven. Whether it was... um, one of your favorite law movies, whether it was something that really made you anticipate in terms of what could happen next. Maybe there was, there was definitely a Heath Ledger Joker reference when, you know, the Riddler would be in front of the camera. He would be, you know, doing his thing and being all crazy right in front of the camera. There was definitely a lot of homages to that. And then we saw something like this, this deleted scene. And I thought, wow. They actually shot a scene with the Joker in it. And when I heard that it was Barry Cohegan, I believe that was that's his last name, Cohegan. Yes, I'm sure it is. Barry Cohegan, who played that one character in the Eternals that I'm not going to lie, I'm not even going to waste my time looking over. One, I don't give a shit. Two, I don't remember. And three, I don't give a shit. So it's as simple as that. But he did play that one character, the one that could... Uh, take away people's emotions and feelings and leave and 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 have them into like mindless zombies. I think that was his power. I don't know. As I said, I don't remember. I don't care. So he was playing that, and then he comes to play this scene plus the ending, and he got to play this. And right away, I thought to myself, I'm like, oh wow. And at first, I couldn't even hear him very well. I'm, I'm like trying to raise up the volume and trying to play, uh, you know, try to see if I could play the uh, captions thing on my phone on YouTube. And I'm like, what the hell is he saying? So it took me it did take me a while for me to truly understand what it is that he said. I don't know if I'm the only one that actually went through this problem. I'm sure some other people did it, too. And then you saw because he was fuzzy the entire time, like the camera lens was he was not only just behind the glass, but the camera angle and the fuzziness and the fact that he was out of focus. He was so out of focus that you could barely tell exactly what he looked like. But then slowly but surely, you start to put the pieces together. You start to put the pieces and then see exactly what it would look like. And he looked all the 
formed. He looked like he definitely had the smile, the the same, you know, um, smile in terms of the, the horrible disfigurement in terms of his mouth. Very Heath Ledger vibe. And you could tell this was like a very Silence of the Lambs type of a feel. Where, you know, where uh, uh, Clarice would go and see Hannibal Lecter. Like, you could definitely tell this took like, a lot of inspiration from Hannibal Lecter and Silence of the Lambs. You know, just remember where she, she's trying to ask him questions and he's fucking looking at her wide open and shit. He'd go, hello, Clarice. And, and, and uh, what, was, what was one of the favorite lines? I'm trying to think about it right now real quick and be like, the last one who tests me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. <laughs> I remember that scene so much. Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite horror films by far. Very psychological and very endearing. And it definitely keeps you on your toes, especially with uh, Buffalo Bill. You, you know, you remember that scene with Buffalo Bill. It puts the lotion in the skin and, or it gets the hose again. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. <laughs> and and then I and I shouldn't be laughing because that was a horrifying scene and the fact that the girl was literally screaming and and you could tell that actress did very, very well because she was I I believe that was they used some kind of aesthetics to see if it was like real fingernails or blood or whatever. I don't know, it was very unsettling. But let's get back to the scene. So with the deleted scene. The Batman comes in and he's trying to profile the Riddler. And you could tell that even though this is Batman just a couple of years in, they have a unique relationship. And when I say unique, I mean they definitely, obviously, they've been through the roads before. They, they've been maybe a little bit of in a tussle or maybe it was his first villain that Batman has ever faced before. And he's been in Arkham ever since, which is completely plausible. It's possible and it's plausible. So you could tell that for the Batman, in order for him to identify a killer, he has to go and confront and speak to a killer themselves to see what his motives are, what what it is, what his intentions are, what, what it is that really makes him tick. And the best way to do it is from the Batman himself. You know, I'm sorry, from the Batman to the Joker. I mean, who else would think about a psychotic psychopath than the number one psychotic psychopath in the world? And then you see his face where it was like blistering skin grabs. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, my God. And there was, again, there was something unsettling about this particular take of the Joker. Where the ones back then, they were, you know, maniacal and... You know what? Let me stop right there because it's very hard for me to compare past performances of the Joker when, A, we've seen many, many of them as it is and each of them have their own different take, including Jared Leto. We're going to get to him in a little while. Oh, trust me on that one. Including Jared Leto and the fact that, I don't know, this one just feels different and I can't really put my finger on it in terms of why he's different. And no, it's not just the look. It's not just the fact that he looks the way he does, but there was something unnerving about him. And it made me very uncomfortable. And I'm sure it made a lot of people uncomfortable, especially when they were watching it. But 
I think that was that was the look that Matt Reeves was going for. Not the look, the feeling. That was definitely the feeling that Matt Reeves was going for. I have a quote here because obviously people are asking him in terms of what he thought about it. And he did say a lot about it. He really, really did. But I just want to grab a quick quote on Baron uh, Kyogen's The Joker. And I'm trying to find what it is. Okay, here we go. So this is definitely took a lot of inspiration from the 1928 silent film, The Man Who Laughs. And if you remember The Man Who Laughs, I'm sure you've seen pictures about it. If you haven't, it's basically, it's a man with a gigantic smile on his face. And of course, it's, been, it's in black and white. So you see the pale grin and, and, and the pale skin and his fucking wide open mouth and shit. It's, again, very, very unsettling. And maybe that's where the, um, the feeling actually came from. But he says, and I quote, In the scene that you'll see in the future, you'll see that we worked on what he looked like. And he's held in this very suspenseful way away from you visually. Hence, the out-of-focus shot. But I wanted to create an iteration of him that felt distinctive and new, but went, back, went, went, but went right back to the roots. Can't even speak right now. So he's mu very much out of the Conrad Veet mold and the idea of the silent film of the man who laughs. So, again, we can tell right away what exactly he's going for. And, uh, again, very unsettling. I'm actually seeing the man who laughs right now with the whole slick back hair and the, the biggest grin that he has. If you were to see something like that in your living room or in your house, you'd probably shit your pants and you'd probably just fucking run. Run the fuck away. And the Joker was heavily inspired by that in the first creation way back in the 40s. So now, what does this scene mean? Like, what, what is it that we're truly getting somewhere down the line? Well, it could mean a lot of things. Number one, there's a chance that he could be in the second installment, in the second movie of the Batman. And chances are, Batman is going to have his hands full in dealing with someone like him again. And yet, I feel like maybe they're still saving him. Again, I can't put my finger on it in terms of why I'm feeling this way, but I feel like if I was Matt Reeves, if I was the director, I would want to save the Joker later, later, later down the line, maybe in the second half of the next film, because I want people to have this feeling first and then forget about it for a while and then eventually come back into it where it's like, oh, do you remember that unsettling feeling that you have? Well, guess what? He's back and he's about to start some shit up. By the way, real quick, I saw on Twitter on someone saying that they can't see Harley Quinn falling for someone like this. <laughs> you'd be surprised. Oh, you'd be surprised. You would definitely be surprised. So, overall, as I said, and like I said, it's a five-minute scene. Batman is asking him questions, and the Joker is answering him, saying, oh, he must be your biggest fan. Oh, this is very personal. Oh, he's very meticulous. He's been planning this for years, and maybe this is what is affecting you. I have to say, I did not think that the dude from the Eternals would be in a scene like this because I remember him seeing in one of the premieres and I'm like, 
I, I couldn't I couldn't even remember who the guy was. Again, The Eternal was such a forgetful movie. I <laughs> it is what it is. But now I'm more curious to see what else they have in store for him. I'm curious to see what else Matt Reeves can do with this character because if he devoted a lot of time and effort into making a distinctive look like that, imagine how the character is going to be. Probably more sinister, probably more deadly, I would say. Maybe way more of a way more of a psychopath where now that I think about it, when we look at the past jokers from Joaquin and Heath Ledger, they were psychopaths, yes, but they were they were I'd say held back a little bit from the psychopathness. I'm trying to make I'm trying to have this make sense where it was more on they're more sane in terms of what they do. They're more sane in terms of how they establish themselves. Like they're 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 jokers with plans, you know, because they think very methodically in terms of what it is that they're doing. This one, on the other hand, I feel like he's gonna go a little bit more on a rampage. That's what I that's what I see in the sequel. I see this Joker a little bit more maniacal, a little bit more on a killing spree where we actually see him. And and I'm not saying very similar to Heath Ledger, his Joker blowing shit up and always using dynamite and everything else. No, there's going to be much more sinister about this Joker where maybe he eats people. You know, maybe he has that cannibalistic type of a look where they want to go more Hannibal Lecter, the feel. And maybe he eats people. Maybe we actually see him, aside from Cameron Monaghan's performance in Gotham, maybe we actually see him tear off his face. Or, you know, it's something along those lines. I have a strong feeling that Matt Reeves is going to take this character of the Joker and make him into something that we're least going to expect. I just have that feeling. I just have that feeling. And guess what? I can't wait to see what they have in store. In terms of what villain that I want to see next in the sequel, I would love to see the Hush. I would love to see Hush. I would love to see someone where they could be like a fake Bruce Wayne and uh, uh, try to go against uh, Batman himself. I would love to see that. So that's my take on who I think about. And this is my take on Joker as a whole. Now. We spoke about Jared Leto just a while ago, and that brings me to the next point in the next 10 minutes that we have left. 10, 10, 15 minutes that we have left. Sony, apparently there's been reports that the movie has been doing so badly that it is not how others expect. And now Sony, one week before the movie comes out, is now spoiling the end results, the post credit scenes of the movie itself. I'm going to give this bit of a silence to just think to myself, why would you do that? Why would Sony do something like this? Are you banking on the fact that this post credit scene that potentially might be the highlight of the movie to cover the fact that maybe your movie is shit? 
And that's why you needed more delays in terms of fixing the problems or whatever you had that was going on behind the scenes. Because that's the only reason and that's the only explanation that I could think about. That's the only explanation that I could think about. You mean to tell me that a studio in Hollywood that is so keen in terms of trying their best not to spoil anything. Hell, they had movie posters on Venom with his finger on his lips and on his teeth saying, no spoilers, do not spoil anything. And you want to reveal something like that? I don't get it. Why? Why would you do something like that? Now, do I know what the post credit scene is? No, but I think I can have a general idea in terms of what it is. And if I'm right, if I'm right, I, I'm just going to put my hands up and I'm like, you know what? I give up. That's it. Th- th- that's it. I, I had high hopes for Sony and their cinematic universe. I had high hopes for their characters. I had high hopes for the, you know, the epic face-off that we can have with Tom Holland or maybe Andrew Garfield when he comes back and Venom. I had high hopes for everything. But put it this way. After watching Venom Let There Be Carnage, I realize now that I cannot have my hopes high again when it comes to Sony products. And by products, I mean movies. I realize that Sony is going to do whatever it is that they're going to do for either fan service or visually uh, looking shots or they want to focus more on the look aesthetic aside from the story. Which was one of the main reasons why Andrew Garfield got fired. Because he, uh, he spoke up against that. He spoke up against corporate America. And is like, dude, this movie does not work. And they, of course they retaliated. Of course they did. Because a studio, a multi-million dollar studio. Oh, we know what's best. Ha ha ha. And we're going to be interfering everything. It happened from Spider-Man 3 all the way till now. And yes. And yes. They did give us, with Marvel Studios, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. But, let's remember the post-credits scene. Where Venom literally came in for one shot. And the whole world went up in blowing their minds. Oh my god, we're finally going to get the epic crossover. Oh my god, we get to see Tom Holland versus Tom uh, Hardy. Oh my god, we get to see. And then he disappears again. And it's like, really? Really? So after watching Venom Up Be Carnage, and this is the point I'm trying to make, I'm not really having my high, my hopes high for any Sony movie going forward, any Sony cinematic movie going forward. I really, I really am not. I'm not. I've seen a few shots, maybe a blurry one, and it's still boggles my mind that Aaron Taylor Johnson is going to be he's going to be Craven it still boggles my mind about that and I don't remember if I briefly talked about that before but if I didn't or if I did then guess what I'm just going to say it again why him are you going for a younger looking Craven the Hunter because let me tell you if you think Aaron Taylor Johnson I know we should not judge a book by its covers. I know that. And I do know that 
I'm not the casting director, so maybe they see whatever it is that we don't see. But there has been many occasions and many decisions when Sony and or a director has made that, in my opinion, was not necessary. Case in point, Lex Luthor or Lex Luthor Jr. from Batman v Superman. Two completely different studios, but the idea is still the same. There are times where a lot of casting directors where they think that they believe that they know best and for some weird reason, it just doesn't buy it. A lot of people felt this way about Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Now, personally, I didn't really care about it because I can't really speak much about it in terms of the casting choice, but you get the point that I'm trying to make here. Sony, whatever their decision is and whatever the reason is for them to spoil this, whatever it is that they're spoiling, because to be honest, I really don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the post credit scene. I don't know if it's something that has to do with the movie. I really don't know. Maybe they don't have faith in their products anymore. Maybe they realize that they backed themselves into a corner where they know that they can't really just get out from. Because as I said before, after Venom Let There Be Carnage, and of course, the ridiculous, ridiculous critiques that they've had against that movie, and the fact that everything has to be PG-13, and the fact that we have to appease to the masses, and they don't have the balls to follow what Deadpool and Logan did with Fox and everything else that goes on. I don't get it. I don't understand. And I'm trying my very best to come up with so many reasons as an excuses to, to, to justify whatever it is that they're doing. And I just can't. I, I don't know. I physically, I'm literally a loss for words. I don't know why. Sony would do that. So, to end this off, am I looking forward to Morbius next Friday? Not really. At least, now that I heard about this, I'm still going to watch it, and I will try to enjoy it, at least try to enjoy it. Let's just say... I don't think I'm going to be overly as critique about it, as as critical on it as I was with Venom Let There Be Carnage. And the reason why is because I feel like from this point, any Sony cinematic product that they have, whether it's Craven, Morbius, maybe Black Cat, or whatever the case down the road, I think it's coming to the point now where I'm going to have to shut my brain off and just try to enjoy whatever it is that they put in front of me, regardless if it's shit or not. Is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing? That's up to you to decide. And let me tell you, I think I'm close to being done. I'm close to being done. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you agree with me or disagree with me in any way, shape, or form, you know what to do. Go to voiceofgarcia.com and go all the way, scroll all the way to the bottom. And, of course, hit me up a message and I will get it to it and I will answer them for you if you want. If you want to be a guest, if you want to talk about anything that you want to talk about, 
Let me know and I will set up a date and time and we will get the ball rolling. And if that's not enough for you, you know what to do. Hulk smash that like and subscribe button on Spotify and iTunes. That helps me out tremendously. It gets me everywhere, everywhere to people's ears, eyes, and everything that we got to do to make sure that we keep on going up. Voice of Garcia on Twitter and Instagram, as I said. And as always, as always, you know what? I got something that I want to say real quick. Just just real quick. From this point forward, and I know you hate me changing this. I get it. But life interferes. It's as simple as that. From now on, the podcast will be dropped once a week, every Saturday. The main reason, one, I have to focus my week on voiceover because I have very limited time for me to come back as soon as I finish work. It's, a, it's, it's the God honest truth. My work hours are always now, from this point on, 9 to 5 until changed otherwise. And I have very limited time for me to get to voiceover, marketing, auditioning, and everything else. Especially during the few hours that I have before I go to bed. So until further notice, until further notice, it will be released once a week, every Saturday. Will it come back to Wednesday night? That's if my hours change eventually. Hopefully they will. But until then, until changed otherwise, it will be every Saturday. I'd say around every Saturday evening time. Evening time. So I know you hate that I changed this. And I know you're probably getting tired of it. But as I said, I hope you really understand. I'm trying my best not to get myself burned out. I'm trying my best to organize my time management wisely, especially when it comes to my utmost passion. And I'm trying my best to make sure that I give every single thing that I can for my career. And because this is, don't get me wrong, it's, it's one of my things, it's one of my favorite things to do on a weekly basis, but it is a hobby. And I'm not really getting any ROI, any return on investment on this yet. So. I hope you understand that. You may not like it. You may unsubscribe. Do you know what? That's completely fine. But hey, I have to be honest with you. And before that, I have to be honest with myself. And I can't keep doing this twice a week when I have so much going on in my life right now. Especially with the possibility of me moving to a new location within the next few months. But that's just another story that I'll tell for another time. With that being said, good luck watching Morbius next Friday, and I will definitely talk about it when we come back. Now we come back to, as always, when it comes to news, games, shows, whatever the case may be, but always remember, if you hear about it, and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.